Splish Splash Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to those who donate to the show at japanbyrivercruise.com and also due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This week, we're proud to present another company's latest attempt at co-opting human rights activism to sell you something. Are you a Japanese woman who recently watched a Nike commercial and found out that you can do anything despite your vagina? Did you then actually try to do a bunch of stuff only to discover that there are systemic obstacles preventing you from doing most stuff? But do you still kind of want to do that stuff? Then give us a call. JTB International, now offering a wide variety of one-way packages to Switzerland and Scandinavia, where evidence shows you'll have a better shot. Alternatively, if you're a Japanese man who doesn't actually care about improving things for women, but would like to derail the conversation by pointing out that women in the West are screwed too, ask about our round-trip packages to the US or the UK. You won't be disappointed. JTB International Travel. Can women do anything? Yes. Can they do it in Japan? <laughs> get out of here. Seriously, call us and get out of here. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Sarah Moon whose name I'd never said out loud before until just now. I don't get it. Sarah is an anime and game translator and very funny YouTuber. Her next big project is a romance anime for the Japanese River Commission called Current Affairs. I get that. Sarah, first off, thank you. It's entirely because of your advice that this podcast is not called Nihon Asterisk Footnote 1 Japanese for Japan by River Kudarti Asterisk Footnote 2, a traditional Japanese form of river traversal incorporating both pragmatic transportation and communal leisure. So thanks for that and for joining us. All right, thanks. On this week's show, when anime fans attack, Sarah will walk us through the various battlegrounds in the explosive world of Japanese to English localization. Ollie and I really want to try to put ourselves in Sarah's shoes for this one, and you can help. If you're listening to this show in English but don't actually understand English, please feel free to write in and criticize us for our content choices. Plus, Ollie's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ollie? Yes, Bobby. This week I'll be recommending a trip I took on Hiroshima's premier pet-friendly river cruise. My dog wasn't allowed on board, but they were very friendly. Plus, a publicity-savvy Japanese river cruise company has started an online petition to cancel itself. The strategy hinges on using the petition to get the cruise featured on every media outlet in the country while having zero chance of actually succeeding. More on that later, but first, Soap Talk. <laughs> Brian, what's going on with you this week? I respectfully decline to field questions for the sake of my mental health. That is entirely the right thing to do, and we will respect that. Yeah, good choice to take care of yourself there. Take care, ma'am. Sarah, thanks again for joining us. Um, before we get into our main topics, there's a lot going on in the Japanese Twitter sphere this week. Uh, first and foremost, uh, our good friend Rochelle Kopp, who came on the show to talk about her petition, has kind of had success with her petition. Were you following the Yoyogi -Yo Cohen story? Yeah, I, I saw that she was responding to some Japanese people who were responding to her in, in not so friendly and charitable yes, ways. Yes, let's not talk about that. That's, it's, it's, yeah, it's depressing. Uh, Rochelle now can't talk about anything nice she's doing without the shade of, oh, there's also some people that hate me. Well, she was trying to stop the construction of a public viewing live site for the Tokyo Olympics in Yoyogi Cohen, which would require cutting down or trimming back a bunch of trees and doing 
construction. And if you're interested, there's more info on that on the bonus episode that we released last week. And she published an article not long after saying that uh, the petition had failed, that it had highlighted uh, some major problems in Japanese society with you know not being able to stop things once already in motion and how the priorities are not on the people or what the people actually want. But after she published that article, uh, they came out with an announcement that they were abandoning the Tokyo Olympic public viewing live site. They're still going to do the construction and cut the trees, but instead they're going to use the space for a vaccination center for firefighters and policemen. It's it's so so juicy, isn't it? I, I I've struggled to come up with exactly what I think about this, but it's, it's like so they dangled. It's so obvious. It's like oh, so you really want to criticize uh, firefighters? Okay, well I didn't realize <laughs> Rochelle that. Part of your petition was these little kitty cats have to die, but <laughs> mad, absolutely mad. What's, we're, we're still going to spend the money, but we're going to do it in a way that makes it really hard for you to criticize. The first thing I exactly. thought when I saw this was it's like it's like if you buy some jewelry for your girlfriend and your wife finds it and you're like, no, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like this, this is something that you guys want. You can't complain about this, right? It is astonishing. And you said... Rochelle's petition was unsuccessful. It wasn't. It was a very successful petition. As petitions go, it gained loads of signatures, loads of media attention, and also it attracted a very broad church. Mm. I mean, how rare is it that Japanese people and non-Japanese people alike, and also internal Japanese media and international media agree on something, which is this is a bit daft, and also is emblematic, emblematic, emblematic of something. So the petition was successful yeah, yeah. what was not successful bobby let's be very clear was the response to the, to the petition <laughs> yeah and my takeaway also was like uh, are some people out there still under the delusion that the olympics is still going to happen in japan like <laughs> not in... us <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's the question isn't it i mean whether or not it's actually going to happen we, we talk about this every week and every week we go there's no way there's no way um but i think what's happening is that the shape of the Olympics, the way in which they're going to implement it. Um, they're going to do it without some countries. They're going to do it without mm -hmm. spectators. They're going to do it without any uh, economic value to the people who live in Japan. Um, but they're going to have something that they're going to call the Olympics and they're going to do it. Didn't I hear also recently, like, aren't they giving the vaccines to athletes or something like instead of the Japanese yeah, people? Yeah. Like they're doing what they yes. have to do to get it done, and they're prioritizing the Olympics over. Um, and actually, I got in trouble on Asades this week for a joke that we did a story on uh, the Nagasaki Kaido, the Sugar Road. It was called the Sugar Road that runs between uh, Nagasaki and uh, lots of other places in Kyushu, like onto Fukuoka. And it's where they used to bring in all kinds of stuff from Dejima and um, Korea and China. And it's, it's where they started carrying sugar. And so along this road, there are all these famous sweet shops that have popped up. And we were doing a story on that. And they asked me right at the top, Bobby, do you know Sugar Road? And I said, yeah, that's the one that goes straight to the Olympics, no matter what the obstacles are. It's, it's Sugar Road, right? <laughs> and they all enjoyed the joke and immediately went, cut, we can't use that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ma'am. You know, it's just occurred to me that that analogy of the, um, the necklace to your girlfriend, it, 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 it would work even if her birthday was six months ago and you're saying, but no, this was your birthday present. Because <laughs> it's just occurred to me what a huge self-own it is that Japan still hasn't vaccinated its core 
workers right, is right. frontline workers. Like that should have happened. Like a, a, most of the developed countries did that ages ago. Japan's like, well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us here vaccinating these guys. The rest of the world's going, yeah. You obviously should have done that ages ago. If I were you, I would do it in private yeah. without publicizing to everyone how late you well, are. Well, that was the other issue with the big vaccine story this week is that they were like, now we're going to make it available for people under 65. And everybody was like, yeah, you finished vaccinating the people over 65. And they were like, we, we didn't yeah. say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, Hey, as of today, uh, I am fully vaccinated myself. Oh, it's been two. Oh. It's been two weeks since my second poke. Congratulations! Congrats! Yeah. How does it feel? Uh, not really any different. <laughs> I'm gonna go to a wedding though in a couple of days and see uh, some friends that I haven't seen in a couple of years. So that's gonna be cool. Yeah, and that's great too because Ali, if our Squadcast recording studio fails, you can just get the backup from Bill Gates. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder why her sound quality was so good. <laughs> um, we need to thank people that have kindly bought merchandise. Uh, in the past uh, for whom it has arrived this week and we always really enjoy it when you send us a message either uh, an email or a tweet because uh, it's really nice to see the merch out and about uh, so thanks very much to everyone that uh, that's taken the time to do that we really appreciate it if you'd like to pick up some stickers and stick them on your laptop and then send us a picture we would love to see it uh, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash Japan by River Cruise. Sometimes I've heard, uh, sometimes if you buy ja Japan by River Cruise merch, it shows up with some weird random stickers in there as well. Nice little bonus. Do you do that? I do. I do. Recently, uh, I bought a bunch of sticker packs for myself and my kids. And uh, they're like superhero, astronaut, uh, all kinds of stickers. And so... Uh, so we are now branching out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are stage one of the, of the wholesale pivot to us just becoming a sticker shop. <laughs> <laughs> Giving the public what they want. With that, let's jump into the news. Bobby, do you know what's in the news this week? Well, this week, and indeed every week, we see a new Twitter war flare up in our feed over Japanese anime localization and translation. <laughs> the, these newsworthiness links are getting worse and worse each week. We might as well just admit that, oh, the news this week is there's a guest we really like and we've written a script and we'd like to talk to them about something. That's our news. Therefore, that's now your news. Fair, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, as, a, as, as an expert and as a YouTuber who's covered this extensively on your channel, sharing your experience with translation and localization, um, can you kind of walk us through where these points of contention come from between anime fans and anime translators? And also, tell us straight off the bat, what's the difference between translation and localization? Oh, God. <laughs> for the longest time, I got them mixed up. Oh, don't ask me. Okay, so uh, localization is just more, it's an industry term uh, that we use uh, to describe uh, just adapting a show for a different audience. So we take the translation into consideration, but we also take things like cultural context, uh, our target audience, etc., into account. Localization can include... Uh, things like uh, manga letterers, for example, the people who like write the the speech into the speech bubbles in manga and the uh, sound effects, they do a lot of stuff. Um, also dub script adapters, voice actors, uh, editors, directors, it's like that entire umbrella. Whereas translating is like just the act of translating one language mm -hmm. into another. 
So, oh, about the other question, who am I? What do I do? The points of contention. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I've kind of come full circle. I started out um, as a teen weeb, uh, like most of us, like most good people. Um, I was super, super into anime. I didn't know much Japanese. Um, I got into Sailor Moon first, uh, the DIC dub. And then from there, I very quickly learned, oh, Sailor Moon is this thing called an anime. And it was originally in Japanese. And oh, my God, they censored it a bunch. They cut episodes, they cut out parts of episodes. So even back then, um, there was a big group of us fans that were sort of up in arms about uh, what localization uh, companies were doing to anime. We mm -hmm. felt that they were changing anime. We felt that they were destroying uh, this thing that was precious to us. Um, so I know what that's like. I've experienced that. And because I felt sort of like I'm missing out on what anime really is, um, I'm not actually getting the full story. I learned Japanese. I went to Japan uh, so that I could become a translator. And in doing so, I learned that, well, a lot of these ideas I had um, about the translations not really being great were actually not entirely true. <laughs> uh, some were, some weren't. Yeah, and um, now I'm on the other side. Um, you know, I'm still a fan of anime, but like I consider myself sort of like a former weeb um, who was who was originally misinformed. Um, but I grew a lot and learned a lot, and now I'm trying to educate people, my kohai tachi, my little underclassmen, my little underlings. I'm trying to teach them uh, what I wish that I had known, or what I wish somebody had told me when I was in their position. So, so I think you you've laid it out really nicely, but. Um... I watched your YouTube channel. I watched your Dragon Maid video, which is a very extensive video that covers a lot of the points uh, that we're going to talk about today. And one thing that I was really impressed with is how well you were able to balance the anticipated response that you might get from people like poking holes in your argument and mm -hmm. that you kind of came down in a very balanced way. One of the major criticisms that I always see is um, that that Western translators are Westernizing anime. They're Westernizing the content. And they're yeah. erasing the Japanese-ness. They're erasing the creator's original intentions. And they're inserting kind of their own viewpoints into that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> One, um, it's like I mentioned, like there's translating and there's localization. And when you think about the localization umbrella, there's a team involved. It's not just one person, the translator, making all of these decisions. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the original client. There's... Uh, editors, there's project managers, there's a whole team of people. So even if a translator like wanted to make a bunch of changes, it has to go through several other people for that change to actually come about. And then in the case of westernizing things, our clients tell us explicitly, they say, please westernize our work. Please make it so that it is more accessible and more like enjoyable to Western audiences. Like they want us to do that. So we do. What do you mean by the word accessible then? Because the examples that always seem to be thrown around is things like, oh, Doraemon eating pizza instead of Dorayaki. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the examples always seem really trivial. Is the point of localization something a bit deeper than that? That you're supposed to be immersed in a story in a way that resonates with the kind of storytelling norms that you've grown up with? Yeah, it's kind of both. So on the one hand, yeah, we do have to consider being artistic. But on the other hand, at the end of the day, these are all corporations who want to make money. They want mm -hmm. as many people to watch and buy their anime and their merch as possible. And if they feel like, hey, it's really advantageous for us to appeal to a greater audience, maybe we should like tone down some of these Japanese-isms so that 
you know, more normies will watch anime and get into it. Like my main litmus test um, is will my husband understand this mm. or will my husband like this or will my husband feel too alienated when he's watching this? Well, one of the hardest fought battles that we saw this year was over the translation of the phrase Nini as big brother. Oh, God. Um, big brother, right? Kind of like a little yeah. juvenile way to say big brother. Yeah. Where do you think the anger comes from at a change that's made like that? Why do people get upset about that? Yeah, some of it. Okay, so we run into this sort of problem with um, legacy translations. So like Higurashi, I, I'm not a fan of the series. I don't like gore, <laughs> but uh, it, it's been around for a very long time and it's fandom, it, you know, it's a pretty big fandom. And there are memes that have Nini nee nee in them. And like Nini nee nee is like this very, to them, to that fan base, they were, they were very attached to that. So if it's translated another way, they feel like like that this thing that they love has been like bastardized. It's been ruined somehow. Mm. Um, so we do have to consider, um, like I can't talk about it, like specific details right now because it's a project that's kind of yet to come to fruition. But someone did reach out to me recently about a potential dub adaptation. And they were asking me about like, like, oh, do you think that this would work? Or do you think this would anger the fan base too much? Like these are things we do consider. Uh, and sometimes we miss and sometimes we hit. Like some people probably didn't mind Big Brother. Some mm. people didn't like it, obviously. Well, in addition to just it being something that they're already attached to, is there a sense that there are new fans who are upset because when they watch anime, what they mm. want is Japan? Personally, like if if it's a very Japanese-y story, I'm, I'm not opposed to keeping something like that as Nini if I feel like it fits the characters and the show and the overall tone of everything. Uh, I don't know the series and I wasn't the translator. So, you know, even if I personally think, well, I don't know, I don't personally like Big Brother, uh, like to me personally, but like, it's not my call. I didn't do the research. Like Katrina, mm. the person who translated that was a huge Higurashi fan. Mm. She's very familiar with the show. She cares about it very much. And she like thought about it a lot and workshopped it and like talked over with other translators. So I guess the point is, um, whether you agree with our choices or not, um, it's one thing to disagree with the choice and be like, eh, I didn't really like that aesthetically. And then it's another thing to be like, how dare you ruin my anime, like yeah. by maliciously, intentionally, like destroying this thing that I love because you hate it. Uh, that's that's kind of what I see that makes me go, hmm, <laughs> is that really how it is? <laughs> it, it reminds me of my friends who are doctors who can't watch medical dramas because they just can't help but go, oh, well, we wouldn't say that or they wouldn't use that tool or right but it's like that but for everything you ever yeah. watch uh, from your favorite thing there's always something which is going to annoy you i had a friend who uh who who was a doctor who wouldn't he was unable to watch the show house until he found a way to allow himself to watch it and that was instead of calling it house in his mind he just told himself the show was called dr malpractice <laughs> <laughs> sarah i'm interested to know about the process because I imagine the times when you've already seen the series and you're already a huge fan and that job lands on your desk, you're like, whoa, brilliant, let's get cracking. But I imagine sometimes you don't get a chance to watch the series. Like, What is the process of doing the translation? Do you work from a script? Do you watch the original broadcast? How does it work? Okay, so yeah, there isn't an original broadcast because most, not all, but most anime nowadays are translated by simulcast, which is where the episode is broadcast like 
almost at the same time as it is broadcast in Japan. Like usually there there might be like an hour lag between the two broadcasts. But yeah, simulcast means that uh, I get the materials before anyone else, uh, even in Japan, in the public gets to see the anime. So I'm translating it as the anime is being made. Sometimes I even work off of an animatic where like the animation isn't even complete yet. And there's voices wow. and stuff. But I do get scripts. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of the series, for example. Sometimes I don't. Um, at the very least, I'll get like the first six scripts. So like maybe half of the series or half of the season. Uh, the last project I worked on, I was actually really lucky. I got all of the scripts for the entire series. So I, I got to see, like I got to read ahead at least. Um, and then uh, they also gave me the episodes a few weeks before they were going to air, which is unusual. Usually you get mm -hmm. the episodes like... Uh, maybe a day or two or three before they air and, and you have a very wow. small window to translate it. Just through my experience of working as an actor using scripts, by the time you actually get to record it, you're over recording. So you're, ex you're expecting that some stuff ends on the cutting room floor. Sometimes you'll change lines there and then if the director says, actually, you should say this. So do you also get like a commentary to say, oh, by the way, Previously, he mentioned bananas, but we've decided we're not going to use the bananas bit. So don't mention bananas. Or do you just have to to hope i mean this must be this must be so Th that would be incredibly helpful if we did get commentaries like that sometimes we do like sometimes i'll, I'll have some notes like a uh, red inked into the script being like oh yeah this line me is referencing this thing like occasionally i'll get something like that but usually no usually we just have to like hope <laughs> well yeah what do you do if like if there's something super japanese in the first episode that you've localized because you didn't think it was a big deal and then at the end like it it turns out to be crucial to yeah. the story yeah you're kind of screwed yeah you you have to just work with what you already did and commit to it and kind of find ways around it Huh. Uh, yeah, so that's why I personally am just very, I'm not very against simulcast. I know that if, uh, you know, companies like Funimation and Crunchyroll did not simulcast, that fans would just do it because they used to do that back in the day of speed subs. Uh, you know, it wasn't like simulcast, simulcast. It was like maybe five hours after the release in Japan. They upload mm -hmm. it to their totally legal streaming sites. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> um, I, I would greatly prefer for like, all of the anime to be like maybe one season behind Japan so that that way we yeah. really have an opportunity to watch the whole thing through, see where everything is going and have time to fully flesh out these things. And you let the real hardcore fans watch it in Japanese and that will let them gatekeep even harder. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> so what is the actual process? Do you read the script from beginning to end and then start translating? No, I, I read the script from beginning to end and then I trend like I, if, if I have the whole series script, I'll read the whole series script from beginning to end. If there's source material that I can easily check out, like a light novel or a manga, we check that. Uh, if it's like season three of a, of a season of an anime that had two previous seasons, you watch that. Um, and then for the episode itself, I watch the episode through first before I translate it. Yeah. And at which point in the process do you inject your feminist agenda? Oh, okay. So uh, during my first watch through, I always look for opportunities to insert my feminist agenda. No, we, we have to talk about this because this is one of the big uh, yeah. fights that gets fought uh, is that, you know, Western translators are injecting their politics into a, a Japanese work of art that doesn't have any politics. Yeah, and the same examples keep getting regurgitated over and over and over again, which really tells me that, like, okay, out of the, the millions of lines of dialogue in, in anime that's translated, you can only find maybe, like, five examples <laughs> of... Yeah. Of, of just of feminism in general or whatever, but it's like, how do you even know that 
it wasn't in the original Japanese. And the the evidence they'll bring up is, oh, well, in the manga, it was this way, or in the subtitles, it was this way. And it's like, well, th those were just the first translations you happen to see. You don't ne right. necessarily even know. What if those translations are the incorrect ones? You don't yeah. know. Well, when, when I watched the video that you made about uh, Dragon Maid uh, and the examples that get regurgitated from Dragon Maid, mm. which is a while back now. Yeah, but 2018. <laughs> I got I got a little bit concerned because while watching it, I think two of the three examples, mm -hmm. and again, as you point out, this is three lines out of something like four thousand lines yeah. in this. But um, but there's a line where the translator used the phrase "slut shame," and yeah. there's a line where they use the phrase uh, "the patriarchal, patriarchal society's society. demands yeah. or expectations" or something like that. And and in watching it, I was like, okay, I am on the side of of the translators. But at the same time, these specific examples are kind of a stretch on the translator's part. Yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> like, I personally, I, I do not like the, the patriarchal society concerns choice. Not just because, like, it was feminist or whatever, but, like, it was just very much against Lukowa's character and that scene. Like, the joke was that she was oblivious, not that she was, right. like, a feminist. And like, it, it just completely messed up that joke in that moment. But again, it was a joke. It wasn't like a key line to the show. It was just a joke. So is the test whether the line takes you out of it and makes it st and stops that suspension of disbelief? Yeah, well, like, I was looking at many of the comments, like, in my research. <laughs> I was, like, looking at lots of comments, and a lot of fans actually liked it. And also other fans that, that were themselves anti-feminist, anti-SJW, they liked it because they thought it was a dig right. at SJWs. So it's like you could read it different ways. It's just the point of it was it was a joke. It, they were joking about Lukoa's appearance, like how her appearance had changed. And then Marky's approach was, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to joke about the fact that, you know, everyone will be begging her to change back into her you know, former scant outfit later. When that wasn't the joke. I haven't seen the series, but from the summary that you presented, it seems like one of the big running jokes for the whole thing is just boobs. It's just, it's just boobs. Yeah. And so... It's fan service, fan service, fan service. An anime where that's the tone, when all of a sudden you hear mm. these phrases that you associate with, yeah. with a liberal feminist agenda for whatever reason, yeah. it's kind of jarring. It kind of goes, does this, yes. do these words exist in this universe of boobs? <laughs> So what should have been happening? <laughs> yeah, it's like it could, but yeah, it did. What it did not in Dragon Age. They had to go. Well, I actually really liked your translation, Sarah. Like especially the uh, the slut shame one. It seemed to me seemed to me from context that the character was not saying "Don't slut shame me." Was saying, "Yeah, I'm not a it's slut." Just saying, I'm not a slut. <laughs> like, yeah. look at me. <laughs> but yeah. but I really enjoyed the point also about how these are. These are like 0.02% of the yeah. total. This is all they could find to criticize, mm. which is why it comes up over. Yeah, and over well, again. and also, also, like, if you look at the rest of the script, I think it's really good. She did so many good things with the rest of the script. And also, again, it, it wasn't just Marky. Like, she did the adaptation script, but there was also a director. There was also, like, other, like, editors and people involved okay. in the process. Like, it's on all of them, like, for not changing that, not questioning, not being like, are you sure this is the best joke for this part? Yeah. You know? Unfortunately, those people might not be on Twitter, so they're not as easy to target. <laughs> yeah. And they're not a woman. <laughs> Speaking of that, what are the consequences of these kinds of fights? 
Yeah, I think it's just really polarizing. Uh, people just get in their camps and they they just go further and further apart. And like I try to, there, there's a certain group of these people. Like I can, I just can't reach them at all. They're they're TFG. They're too far gone. Like I'll try to explain like calmly and like, oh well, I understand why you might have these concerns, but blah 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 facts and logic, facts and logic, and they'll they'll like put their hands over their ears and go la 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 yeah. la la la, you know, the internet equivalent of that, and just not even listen. Um, Actually, in, in uh, Japanese, it should be localized. They put their hands over their face. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, in, in the way you present it on your YouTube, I find it very refreshing that it's so balanced that you present both sides of it. And as I was watching, there were moments where I was like, ah, she's going to defend something that's not that defensible. And you didn't. And I, I really respected that. But it doesn't seem like the people who are criticizing have the same level of respect for the people who are putting the work in. Yeah, they're they're just very uncharitable. They just they decided, oh well, this this is bad, and this is why it's bad, and I know better than these people, and I'm not going to listen to a word they say, and they are just villains now forever, and that's that. And <laughs> so, the hilarious thing yeah. is that those people don't speak Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> but again, like I I remember when I was younger and when I was a younger weeb, and I I didn't understand Japanese myself and I would get outraged sometimes at what I thought were mistakes like I thought profanity was being mistranslated in Fushigi Yugi because like they translated Kono Yaro as like so many different words it's like well which one is it really are you trying to pull the wool over my eyes I want to know which specific swear words my favorite character yeah. is using how dare you translate it incorrectly like I know that mindset I know what it feels like they're they're very passionate about you know their hobby and what they love and they feel like people who are not as passionate or passionate at all about their hobby and their thing that they love they feel like we're ruining it like maliciously and intentionally like ah we don't care about the fans we don't care about the anime we're just gonna you know control it like i've been seeing this narrative also that we're just trying to control right. uh everything and it's like i wish i could control more <laughs> like i i feel a lot of times like i don't really have very much control in my position so thing is you say on this but i still yeah. can't help but have a huge amount of respect for these people who have decided not to turn their hobby into their profession and do this for money because <laughs> i because we know firsthand how they have made the right choice to keep it as their hobby and not attempt to make it their job. Well, I, I also like how your path went from kind of being critical and being kind of suspicious of the way the process worked to becoming the person who actually does it and learning, learning Japanese and learning the mm -hmm. way the process worked. And for the people who are out there who, who feel that their fan service is being ruined, that their real Japan anime is being ruined, I would say first learn Japanese. And if, if you can't do that, then do the next best thing and just draw yourself a picture of boobs to look at. <laughs> Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 86 of Japan by River Cruise. If you're not subscribed to the show, then please do. We release a new episode every single Friday. Thank you very much to our guest this week, Sarah Moon. Sarah, it was a pleasure talking to you. It was a pleasure talking to you. I've just got it. It sounds like Sailor Moon. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> find Sarah Moon on YouTube and find us back here next week.